Welcome to the SureDog Radio Network preview for the main card of UFC Fight Night 192, Smith versus Span. I'm your host, Ben Duffy of SureDog.com. With me, as usual, is Keith Schillen, the executive producer of the SureDog Radio Network, uh, as well as the host of the Schillen and Duffy Show, which will be recapping this event. Well, let's face it, 15 fights, probably very early Sunday morning. Like, I'm not even going to say Saturday night because this card's going to be nine hours long. Anyway, Keith, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. So I want to dress up there right off the top. So we made this into two shows. Uh, we're not being slimy. You said this on, on the end of the last, the prelims. We're not trying to get like twice as many clicks by having two shows. We actually know that it makes it more difficult for someone to have to go to two shows. This simply comes down to uh, my schedule sucked this week. And Ben was very, very gracious, as he always is. He's extremely flexible. He kind of works around my schedule a lot. And uh, that's why we're, if you look, we're, we're in, I'm wearing a different shirt. This, we really did record on a different night, or two different <laughs> nights. Uh, we recorded one on Wednesday night, one on Thursday night. So sorry, guys. Sometimes you got to roll with the punches. Yep. And uh, so, you know, if you're looking at this and you're wondering where the prelims preview is, you can find it on the SureDog YouTube page or just right back on the front page. <laughs> of SureDog.com where you found this one. If you don't care to look back for the prelim preview, I don't blame you. But uh, let's dive right into this main card. Uh, the six-fight main card kicks off with a middleweight matchup between Joaquin Buckley and Antonio Ahoyo. Buckley, the 27-year-old uh, Missourian, is 12-4 and overall. He is an even 2-2 two and two since joining the UFC uh, just a little over a year ago. Uh, he has defeated... Impa Kasanganai and Jordan Wright that is sandwiched around losses to Kevin Holland and Alessio DeKirico, who knocked him out with a head kick back in January at the inaugural UFC on ABC event. He'll be taking on Ahoyo. The 32-year-old Brazilian is 9-4 overall. He is 0-2 since joining the UFC out of a pair of uh, appearances on Dana White's Contender Series. He appeared on the Brazilian as well as the U.S. version of that show before finally getting the call up. But since then, he's been turned aside by Andre Muniz and most recently, last December, uh, Duran Wynn, who took a unanimous decision over him at UFC Fight Night 183. That was the Thompson versus Neal card. Uh, Buckley is a pretty strong favorite here. He's minus 210, minus 215 or so. You can get a Hoyo at plus 175 uh, as the underdog. Uh, the I, I wrote about... Uh, Buckley in my column this week, which if you're familiar with the show or with the sure dog front page, I, I usually focus in on a couple fighters who just, they have a little more at stake. They're under a little extra pressure for whatever reason. Uh, I, I wrote about Buckley. I mean, the good news for Buckley is that he has four fights in the UFC and they are all highlight reel material. The problem is that he's two and two and his opponent's highlights have been pretty good too. I mean, obviously the knockout of Impa Kasanga and I, you know, if you want to call that the greatest knockout in UFC history, I might not agree, but I wouldn't call you crazy. It's, I mean, that's something that'll be on the highlight reels for as long as there is a UFC. I would but agree, the, just for the record. Yeah, I mean, it's, without even counting, it's easily in the top five, sorry, top three. Sorry, just to clarify, when I say I would agree, I would agree with the person who says it's the greatest knockout. Mm -hmm. I, put, I put it number one, but yeah. yeah, there's other ones up there. And be, I mean, being a live-by-the-sword, die-by-the-sword, highlight reel guy, that gets you a lot of goodwill from the UFC. They will go a long ways to make sure you stick around and keep giving them highlights. I mean, they, they know how good it is for them to have a gift that goes viral without them having to spend money on it uh, that, you know, thousands and thousands of people are, are retweeting. Um, but Alessio DeCurico, that was a setup fight for Buckley. DeCurico had lost three fights in a row. I, he could easily have been released. They brought him back to, you know, they brought him to, to fight Buckley he was like a three to one underdog and he kicked Buckley's head off. Like Buckley gets is going to get a lot of rope from the UFC, but you still got to win more than you lose. So here is setup opponent number two. This is Antonio Hoyo, who I, I mean, he's the fighting against Andre Mooney's. He was he was competitive and Mooney's is kind of quietly sneaking up the rankings like he's he's done really well, actually, since joining the UFC. But that uh, Daron win fight was terrible. It was at like 195 pound catch weight. The the thing about Ahoyo is both of his fights, the fans have been booing pretty hard by the end. Like he and Buckley getting together, it's going to be like ant matter versus antimatter. 
Like, like, can Buckley beat him, and can he make it an interesting fight? Uh, <laughs> ben, do you think any of our listeners have any clue what the hell you're talking about with this scientific stuff? I, I don't and, know. <laughs> and, even, and even better, do you think your co-host knows anything you're talking about with this science hey, stuff? If I'm if I'm doing a podcast on, on my day off, you're gonna get like the unvarnished, like just nerd, like stream consciousness. Uh, <laughs> main event, Ben's gonna be bringing in this string theory. And... <laughs> oh my goodness! But <clears throat> question to me, and it's it's really the the same thing that I boiled down the Rodriguez versus Nchukwu fight to it is is Buckley gonna land something cleanly on Ahoyo sometime in the first two rounds of this fight? I think he probably is. Uh, and just Ahoyo hasn't shown much since he's gotten to the UFC. I, I hate to use this term. It's a cliched term. It sounds kind of insulting, but he is a look like Tarzan fight like Jane kind of guy. Like he looks like he should just be like this terrifying. Cr- I mean, he's built about like Tiago Santos. He is just a jacked individual and he clearly has like some fast twitch, uh, athleticism to him like when he wants to Ohio's kicks are fast and hard but doesn't throw enough he lets his opponents dictate the fight uh he's gonna be a bigger guy than Buckley I mean first time Buckley was on my radar he was losing at welterweight to Logan Storley in, in Bellator he's gonna have the reach he's gonna be the bigger guy and it's not gonna matter you know Buckley's gonna is gonna get inside maybe just mash him with punches maybe he's gonna like uncork another highlight real kick but give me Joaquin Buckley by first round TKO yeah so you I thought that was what's gonna happen last fight I thought he was gonna have a highlight reel this kind of as you mentioned they're trying to set up not just a win for Buckley but also another highlight reel and that's because I mean this guy is very explosive amazingly athletic I mean just you know you're gonna see the knockout 10 times in the little preview up to it there is insane athleticism. There's very it, few it's people. inhuman. Like yeah, there's very few people who could do that. Um, he's southpaw. He has a very bob and weave style. Um, I like that. He also he bob and weaves side to side. He bob and weaves up and down. Uh, he did that a lot against Jordan Wright. Uh, I like his defensive skills. Uh, he stays compact in his zone. Uh, hides his chin behind his shoulders. Throws a lot of tight, uh, which is kind of the theme for this card. Is a lot of guys fight this way. It throws a lot of tight inside hooks, um, not overextended. Uh, but he ex- when he explodes, he explodes with high output, high combination. Uh, his his power straight left is probably his best strike. Even though his highlight reel knockout is a kick, I actually don't think he throws enough kicks, uh, and he doesn't check enough kicks. He sits on his punches a lot. Um, Though he isn't just a striker, like he can wrestle a little bit. He can sneak in a takedown, decent entries, decent clinch takedowns. If he gets on top, um, he, he just works in the you know hard ground and pound from from you know a close guard. Uh, cardio is a bit of a concern um, based on the way he fights. Uh, you expect him to gas out. As far as the Royal, uh, nothing jumps off the paper with him. I mean, he is also a southpaw, which is which is intriguing when two southpaws fight each other because it doesn't happen in the gym often. You know, there's not a lot of southpaws, so that's intriguing. Getting that and that can change some things. Uh, but he does switch stances a lot, so sometimes he's in the in the orthodox stance. He's a brawler on the feet. He um, wet, well, hold on, let me let me rephrase that. He's best when he's brawling on the feet. When he's throwing down in the pocket, when he's using his strength advantage, his power, just kind of like, I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you, try to match me in the pocket. But like you said, this times he just stands on the outside, circles, does nothing, looks, does nothing. Um, when he does do his best work, it's it's also power hooks. Uh, kicks are also a specialty. He works on the outside, just throws a lot of kicks. We'll throw in like an occasional ugly spinning attack, but he's not the athlete that Buckley is where I think would be that effective. But he's ultimately, if he wants to win this fight, he's probably going to try to take it to the ground. Uh, get on the hips, take it down. Uh, he also likes to just stall on top. Like he's also the same way on the ground. He stalls on top. Uh, and his cardio has been questionable. Like, and that might be why we see less output from him because he has gas out, especially on the regional scene. That he might be trying to conserve some energy. So, who am I going to pick? I mean, we're both on the same page. I'm going to go with Buckley. I think he's going to get some of his hype back. And and I was reading uh, Einstein's theory of relativity and 
I'm assuming the force of Buckley will keep the force of a world. I don't know. I'm just like, uh, but uh, based on Einstein's theory, I mean, we've got to take Buckley by knockout. So give me Buckley by second round TKO. Outstanding. There you have two very scientific predictions for uh, New Mansa to get it done. <laughs> and, and Royals uh, never been knocked out before. So no, we're going to see something we haven't seen science. before. Maybe, no. yeah. Next up on the UFC Vegas 37 main card is a bantamweight matchup between Nate Manus and Tony Gravely. Manus, the 30-year-old Kentucky native, is 13-1 and overall. He's 2-0 and since uh, joining the UFC uh, last summer. He defeated Johnny Munoz Jr. by unanimous decision in his debut, came back and uh, choked out Luke Sanders in the second round in a 140-pound catchweight uh, matchup back at UFC on ESPN Smith versus Clark. He'll be taking on Gravely. Uh, the 29-year-old Virginia native is 21-6 and overall. He is 3-0, and or sorry, he is 2-1. Uh, since joining the UFC out of the third season of Dana White's Contender Series. He did lose his uh, debut to Brett Johns, but since then he's rattled off back-to-back -back wins over uh, Geraldo de Freitas and uh, Anthony Burchak, whom he knocked out in the second round uh, back in April at UFC on ESPN, Whitaker versus Gastelum. Uh, Gravely is a moderate favorite here. He is minus 200. Uh, you can get Manus at plus 170 as the underdog. Uh, Keith, who do you like in this Bantamweight matchup? Yeah, so I, I was listening to what some other people thought about this one. Um, Gravely, he, you know, he's a former CS champion, so I've seen him in person a lot. So I was kind of, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on him. And uh, it seems like people are kind of split on this one. And I'm not. I'll get to my prediction later. Uh, Gravely, he's shown a lot of improvement on his feet, particularly since when he made his UFC debut and, and say, his last fight. Uh Though he has been rocked a lot, even though he has a, he's got a really good record for a guy who's fought some really good competition on the regional scene and in the UFC. Uh, he's a brawler on his feet where he likes to just kind of spring into the pocket and load big flurries of hard combinations. Uh, he's starting to find his power. We saw that in his last fight. But at the end of the day, he wants to wrestle. He's a strong wrestler. He's a former D1 NCAA wrestler. Uh, I love his drive through his hips. He gets in the hips and just power doubles you through. Uh, though... When he gets stuck underneath, and I said this last time, he he kind of rests underneath, which is an issue. He's got, you know, get kind of hammer fist from underneath. But if he's on top, heavy top pressure, he understands that's his best game. He's gonna he's gonna hold you down before he starts to work. Sometimes he kind of lays and braids a little bit. Uh, but we've seen more and more ground and pound on him, so that may be something he's becoming more exciting. And if a scramble ensues, this guy he can take you back. Uh, the one. The biggest issue I have with him, but well, besides the getting stuck underneath, is he can fade because he's so explosive on the feet and that he's so wrestle heavy. That's something that he needs to fix. Uh, and Manus is a guy that he's made people pay on the ground. Now move up to Manus on the feet. He's a counter striker, but he hates. Uh, he he wants you to throw single strikes. He doesn't want you to uh, throw uh, high combinations because he backs right up to the cage. And he lacks head movement, making him very hittable. I mean, just go back to his last fight against Luke Sanders. Luke Sanders was was teeing off on him, almost knocked him out. But to Manus credit, he did show some, you know, durability and grit to survive that, and then actually drop, drop Sanders with a shot, and then get in a quick submission, you know, club and sub type style. Doesn't check leg kicks. Going back to the Sanders fight again, that was something that Sanders was having success about. Even the commentary team was saying like he needs to throw the kick more, throw the kick more. Uh, he does have pop though. And if he, he's not a wrestler, but he does find a way to get the fight to the ground, uh, whether it's a trip, whether it's um, just like you know, getting underneath his opponent's punches. He is a submission threat, good back takes. As far as prediction goes, uh, the reason why I said that I've listened to what some other people said about this fight, I disagree with a lot of people. Like a lot of people think this is a really close fight, or they think that Manus is a is a really live dog. I I disagree. I I feel like this is an easy win. Uh, for Gravely. I like Gravely big. I think he has the power on the feet to put him out. I think he has the power that maybe Luke Sanders didn't have, um, especially if he's moving forward with the, with some pressure. And if he back, if Manus backs up to the cage, that's going to set up easy takedowns for Gravely, where you really can't sprawl out on him. I'm worried about him fading late, so if Manus can survive, which I expect him to survive, being that 
Gravely can kind of just wear out, likes to work the clock a little bit. So the deeper he goes to fight, the better chance I give of Manus. But really, I only give him a sub chance catching Gravely shooting in on a, on a, a takedown, maybe in the guillotine something. To me, that's not enough to, to pick him. So give me Gravely. I'll give Gravely by decision, and I think it's going to be a 30-27. Yeah, I'm. I'm. In, I was interested to hear what you had to say about this one because I was sort of thinking the same thing. Uh, Manus's win over Luke Sanders that was a hell of a fun fight. Like that was exciting stuff. But it wasn't the kind of fight that left me feeling more confident in Manus. No, exactly. What, what, what it left me thinking was was like any like any top fifteen, top twenty bantamweight in the UFC finishes that fight in the first round. Like Manus would have been toast, and we wouldn't have even gotten that cool comeback. Uh, and I think gravely has that kind of ceiling he comes to like it's interesting i mean he's younger than manis but has twice as many fights and it's because he kept a super busy schedule like he did the whole kind of east coast circuit he's ro you know roc uh uh cffc i believe ces you mentioned like ces was one of his last stops but you know he's 29 years old and he's got 27 fights he's 21 and 6 which you're like okay you know that that's a medium prospect type record, but the guys he's lost to like, well, for one thing in the last like four years, he's only lost to Brett Johns and, and patchy mix. Who's, you know, doing pretty well over in Bellator. But even before that, when he was on the crazy, like I'm going to fight five times a year in any place that'll have me up and down the East coast. He's lost to Pat Sabatini, Ricky Bandejas, Marab Dwalishvili and Manny Bermudez. That's it. Like, like four guys that have either Good been dudes. in UFA and done pretty well, or been in Bell Bellator and done very well. And, yeah, he he's he's a good prospect. Even in his last kind of run on his way to the UFC, be, beat Chris Matinho, beat Draco Rodriguez. Uh, he's a really good prospect. The only hole I see in his game that you already already pointed out his the wrestle heavy style and the kind of like explosion on on the feet can lead him to get tired later in fights. So considering that what Manus has shown us is the ability to weather a storm. And, and be opportunistic, that's certainly a route to victory for him, but I just don't think it gets there. Uh, I could certainly see a 30-27 type thing, but I can also see Gravely getting him down with ease in the first and second round, wearing him down down there, and uh, getting a finish. Like, a lot of his, like, you know, he, he has more TKOs than submissions, but a lot of his TKOs are TKOs on the ground, where the guy's just being overwhelmed and has the choice, I can keep getting punched while I try to get out, or I can just turn my back and give up my neck. You know, a lot of kind of like those choose your poison type. So I, I'm I'm actually picking Gravely to finish with this one. Give me Gravely by second round. I'm going to guess TKO on the ground, but if, if he ends up choking him, that wouldn't surprise me either. We move now to the lightweight division for a matchup between Arman Sarukian and Christos Yagos. Sarukian, the 24-year-old Russian, is 16-2 and overall. He's 3-1 and in the UFC, uh, lost his debut to Islam Makachev. Since then, he's bounced back with three straight wins over Olivier Aubin-Mercier, Davi Hamos, and Matt Frivola. Uh, that one most recently was at UFC 257 back in January. All three of those wins by unanimous decision. He'll be taking on Yagos. The 31-year-old uh, from California is 19-8 and overall. He is 4-2 and uh, in the UFC. Uh, he's on a two-fight win streak, having choked out Sean Soriano back in May at UFC 262, beaten Carlton Minus back in December at UFC Fight Night Thompson versus Neal. Uh, those wins allowed him to bounce back from his second UFC loss, which was a decision to Drakkar Close uh, all the way back in August of 2019. Uh, Sarukian is the biggest favorite on the card. He's minus 750 right now. You can get Yagos uh, at plus 525 if you see value there. Uh, you certainly stand to make a lot of money, but uh, this would be, I think, the biggest upset in the octagon this year if Yagos were to pull it off. Uh, I'll jump right out and say that there are some, there are some like fights with really wide odds where you're like, ah, it might be worth taking a flyer on there. I could, I could turn, you know, uh, 10 bucks into a, into a good steak dinner because there are routes to victory for the fighter who's not favored. This is not one of those fights to me. The problem, the real problem with this fight isn't just that Sarukin is so good. It's that he's so good at the same things Yagos is good at only better. Uh, like really to me, Yagos, he prospers when he's the better wrestler in the cage and he struggles when he isn't. 
And Sarukian is a absolutely sensational wrestler. And then on top of that, I think he's going to be faster, stronger, uh, more like more of a technical and adept grappler once they're on the ground, even though, again, Yagos is a very good grappler. Uh, Yagos, I mean, he might have more more straight power in his strikes on the feet. Like, that's one area where I think he, he might have the advantage, but I just don't think it's going to matter. Like, he, he, even when he is the better striker, he's just a wrestler by instinct. You know, I've seen him take fights to the ground when he was actually winning on the feet. That's a not a good idea. And even if he overcomes that tendency, I think Sarukian can get him down. So I think Yagos is a better fighter than these odds make it look like. I think Sarukian, again, he's maybe the best men's prospect in the UFC under, under age 25 right now. But yeah, I mean, this is just going to be a blanking. I think I, I don't think there'll be a finish, but you know, Sarukian 30, 27, or maybe even 30, 26 just e- easy money for the guy uh, yeah so you said when you look at the odds you can see ways the guys win i'm gonna try and make my best argument for Yagos. i'll start with him he's a high volume guy like he can work from the outside and just stay busy uh he stance switches a lot and uses movement well so he's not a uh stationary target for a wrestler uh, he can get wild and overthrow his strikes, and he loads up on everything. But as you said, he does hit hard. I mean, you look at him. He's a guy who's, like, very ripped-up guy, good physique. Like, I'm sure he turns some heads at the beaches, <laughs> you know. Um, and he mixes strikes and takedowns in well. Um, he looks for takedowns a lot. Hard ground and pound. He has a presented to black belt, good back takes. Uh, so those are all things that could help him. But he does fade late. Now, everything I said about him, I think Saruki just better. He's he's a much better athlete. He's so fluid on the feet. Uh, fast hands, stays really tight with his strikes in the pocket. Um, good at slipping. and He's so good at slipping and ripping, but he's keeping himself in range. So when you miss, he's got to counter with bigger, better, and more shots. Uh, I love that he goes. he's intelligent for his age, goes down to the body, works the body. I'd say he has... I think he's, uh, you know, I was going to say his, I think actually you said that Yagos may be the hardest striker. I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I think, I think uh, Saruki might be, and he's only 24, so I would bet on that moving forward. Like, I've, I, he, like he hasn't reached his, his power uh, age. And then he also has the calf kicks he loves, and to throw out like a spinning attack. And then, oh yeah, he's one of the best wrestlers. I mean, you go back to his fight against Islam Makashev. It, it, I think it was that was his UFC debut on short yep. notice against a guy that nobody wants to fight. He took it on days notice in his UFC debut and gave Islam Makashev everything he could handle. He's an incredible wrestler, great at timing takedowns, uh, quick entries, great at winning scrambles. Uh, during the clinch, he looks for like foot trips and 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 judo type throws. Really good grappler, hard to submit. I mean, he he out grappled Davi Hamos. <laughs> like to me, Jagos is getting a paycheck, but he's not getting a win bonus. Jagos is good. Sirukin is really good. Like I think he could be one of the top guys in the sport, in the division, in the sport. Give me Sirukin by dominant one-sided affair where he beats him up on the feet and the ground. You said, you said thirty twenty-seven, even maybe thirty twenty-six. I'll go 30-26, maybe 30-25. I think it's going to be that dominant. There you go. Two emphatic calls for uh, one of the most promising prospects in the UFC to keep the keep the uh, the train rolling. Third from the top at UFC Vegas 37 is a flyweight matchup between Ariane Lipsky and Mandy Baum. Lipsky, the uh, 27-year-old from Curitiba, is... 13 and 7 overall. She is 2 and 4 since joining the UFC as a former KSW champion. Uh, she is currently on a two fight losing streak, uh, having lost to Montana De La Rosa back in June at UFC Fight Night, Rosenstrike versus Akai. And previous to that, lo- having lost to Antonina Shevchenko back at UFC 255 last November. Both of them second round TKOs, both of them pretty visually similar ground and pound losses uh, for her. Uh, she'll be taking on Bomb, the debuting prospect, a 32-year-old German fighting out of SBG Ireland, is a perfect 7-0 in her career, uh, has fought primarily uh, 
in local German promotions, but did appear most recently last October at Bellator 247, where she took a unanimous decision over Greet Eckhout. Uh, odds on this one slightly favor Lipsky. She is minus 120, where you can get bomb at even money uh, as just a very slight underdog. Lipsky is another one that I wrote about this week as someone who's under uh, undue pressure. And here it's plain as day. This is Bomb's debut, and she's an undefeated prospect. There's nothing that could happen in this fight that's going to get Bomb cut, whereas if Lipsky loses, she might be done. Like, that's the definition of one fighter in this fight is has different uh, elements of risk and reward than the other. But, I mean, it's not even keeping any of the prospect shine anymore. I already made the case that Lipsky might be the biggest bust of, like, the post-Pride era in terms of fighters who came to the UFC as a current or recent champ from another high-level promotion and underperformed. Like, someone in the comments said it, it should probably be Gilbert Melendez. I'll concede to Gilbert Melendez. Yeah, but he, like, some people thought he w should have won the title <laughs> against uh, Anthony Pettis. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he like, lost. Yeah. Will, you know, Will, like, Brooks. I, Will Brooks. Will Brooks was pretty terrible, but, like, at least Will Brooks, he went one and three, but he fought all really good dudes. Fair enough. You know? Fair. Like, yeah. Lipsky. Good point. Lipsky came in, she fought Joanne Calderwood. If she had won that, they probably would have fast-tracked her to a title shot. Like, if she come in, beat Calderwood, like, if they could say, hey, the, the KSW champ came in here, knocked out one of our top 10 contenders, it would have been, like, the Michael Chandler thing. Like, you, you pass, Absolutely. go, you collect $200. Yeah. And it's just been downhill from there. She's beaten two of the lowest-level women in the division in Luana Carlina and Isabella de Padua, and she's just lost everyone else. Like, Calderwood and McCann just kind of handled her. And Shevchenko and De La Rosa have really kind of laid some of her flaws bare. But, I mean, in uh, fairness, in fairness, I mean, she got out grappled by uh, Antonina Shevchenko, which is, you know, that's what happens when you go against Antonina Shevchenko. You get out grappled. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's one Shevchenko who, who's like a, yeah, an absolutely sensational grappler. And, Antonina. <laughs> and she made Antonina look like Valentina. I Oh, my goodness. The the saving grace is she's still a good athlete. She still is a good Muay Thai style striker. Uh, and she is only 27 years old. Like there are, well, hell, how, like when Anthony Smith, who tops this card was 27 years old, did anybody foresee him being like a top five fixture in a division and having like a title oh. shot? No. So she's not, she's not done as a mixed martial artist, but she, her back is against the wall. And I mean, the UFC, they, they clearly see the star potential and the fight potential in her because they are continuing to try to get her winnable fights. Uh, but Mandy Bomb, like it's a winnable fight without being like a laughable like squash match. You know, it's not like some of the clowns they've signed to, for like Greg Hardy, like bringing back dudes that went like 0-3 in the UFC just to give Greg Hardy someone to fight. But Lipsky's problem is that I mean, she's not a great defensive wrestler. She's a pretty good offensive grappler on the ground, but she just can get kind of ragdolled and bodied. She's just not a physically strong flyweight. Like, she looks like she she should be pretty strong, but uh, De La Rosa and Shevchenko have just bodied her. And the one thing I'll say for Bomb is she's strong and grindy. Like, I've, I'm not going to lie. I've seen, like, one complete Bomb fight and pieces of others. But I'm I'm going with uh, I'm going with Bomb here. I think she I uh, I think she's going to win a decision over Ariane Lipsky, and the UFC is going to have like some tough decisions to make uh, on Sunday morning. Give me Bomb by decision. Yeah, um, you say it like it's a surprise, and, and I don't mean like it's Ariane Lipsky. Like I almost expect it. Like uh, it's not like it was a. I mean, I know she's what very slight underdog. Or, um, well, yeah, Lipsky's a very slight favorite, you know. But it's it's not like they brought in some super hot shot and they're just like feeding like the old lion to the new lions, yeah, yeah. you know. Like this looks like them trying to get an appropriate matchup for Lipsky, and yeah, I just so don't think it's gonna work. You said that Lipsky's a, still a pretty good Muay Thai striker. I agree with that. Uh, she has good pressure. She has good volume. Uh, she is a bit of an outstriker, so she doesn't um, doesn't have huge power but uh she, she you know she can crack a little bit solid kicks uh she's i would say a weak offensive wrestler but when she's on top she has a pretty decent 
top game, she is a submission threat, but on the ground, like on her back, it, she's a fish out of water. I mean, like we, we're making jokes about Antonina Shevchenko out wrestling her. Uh, she can't get back up. She, she'll throw up sub attempts instead of trying to get her way back up. Move over to Bomb. I, I, I got to say the same thing you said. Like you said, you haven't watched that much of Bomb. Listen, when there's 15 fights, you get only do so much tape study and some of them has to be sacrificed. And uh, I, I did sacrifice one. What I've seen, good output on the on the feet, very accurate with her strikes, uh, snapping jab. She is a counter striker. And she's good at picking up her the timing of her opponents and, and kind of beating them to the point of contact. She does drop her hands a lot and throw from her hips. You mentioned she's physically strong. I That's something I wrote down too, especially in the clinch. She likes to kind of plumb clinch Muay Thai style. But she's a weak defensive wrestler. Uh, I've seen her taken down very easily. I have You had seemed like you had no confidence to pick. I have even less than that. Uh I could easily see Bomb winning. However, Liski has faced the higher competition. I think she's the better grappler. I think. <laughs> I like the the rising like question tone there. I think. Like, <laughs> like I, I've seen a I've seen a win grappling matches. Mm-hmm. Then I've seen it look like a white belt. Ah, it just. I was on the fence, and you go and bomb just to make it interesting. I will go Liski. Give me Liski by by split decision where we're I don't know one of us is I don't know I'm I'm bragging like it was a genius pick of me <laughs> if she wins. No, like as late as yesterday when we were recording the prelims, my notes for this fight like the bottom line was Lipsky decision question mark, and I flipped <laughs> it like in the last twenty four hours. Like I twenty four hours, I changed the last twenty four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That is the kind of hard-hitting analysis and confident picks that you tune in for, folks. The co-main event of UFC Fight Night 192 is a light heavyweight affair between Jan Kudalaba and Devin Clark. Kudalaba, the 27-year-old Moldovan, is 15-6-1 with one no contest. Overall, in in the UFC, he is 4-5-1, has been on a bit of a skid recently. He lost back-to-back fights to Magomed Ankalaev. Uh, the first one, of course, marred by controversy because he spazzed out and like tricked the referee into a quick stoppage. So they ran it back. Ankalaev beat him fair and square. Uh, but most recently in May, uh, at UFC on ESPN Reyes versus Prohaska, he fought Dustin Jacoby and their fight was a split draw. He'll be taking on Clark, uh, the 31 year old South Dakota native is 12 and five overall. He's six and five in the UFC uh, since joining all the way back in 2016. Uh, fought most recently last November in the headliner of UFC on ESPN 18, where he lost to Anthony Smith, your headliner tonight, uh, by first round triangle choke. That snapped a two fight winning streak for Clark uh, over Alonzo Menafield and Dequan Townsend. Kudalaba is the slight favorite here. He's minus 140. Uh, Clark is available at plus 120. Uh, as the slight underdog. Uh, Keith, who do you like in this one and how? Oh, man. This is... I don't know how I feel about this fight, but it's good matchmaking because, like, they just remind me of each other in, like, different ways of, like... They they both look like guys that could absolutely murder dudes. A guy like... Like, uh... Lionheart and, 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 you know, Anthony Smith and something like that. Like, it just looks like he can murder him. And then, then Anthony Smith submits him in, like, 30 seconds. Uh, Kudalaba, he's he's very aggressive on the feet. Tight, compact boxing. He does hit hard. Uh, he tends to throw everything into his story. He kind of telegraphs his shots. Uh, not very fast. He loves his left hook, and he loves to brawl. Like, even though he's... In his last fight against Dustin Kobe, he he actually did okay on the feet, much better than people expected. But at the end of the day, like he, he I don't, I think that was a one-off. I still think he wants to on the feet just throw down and see who's left standing, Rockham Sockham style. He has a wrestling background, though we don't often see it. But to his credit, he did use it and tried using it early against Justin Jacoby. Uh, he'll wrestle in the clinch. He, he's strong in the clinch. Looks for uh, elbows in close. Uh, he has slowed down in the past, 
in a lot of fights. But to his credit, his he did slow down against Justin Jacoby in his last fight. But it wasn't god-awful. And he actually was somewhat competitive in the third round. Now, moving with Devin Clark, he's so raw on the feet. He's flat-footed. He, he, he's, I said this last time. I want to say it again. He keeps his arms like he seems like he's really tense with his arms. And he's like wasting energy. Uh, he does pack some power. But he can also throw wildly. He does it with his chin high in the air, which has hurt him in so many fights. He's a guy that also likes to go in the plum clinch. It's actually his best position, even though he's he's a wrestler likes to shoot. I actually like his plum clinch, where he just like will push against the cage, knee up the middle. That's what he did against Alonzo Menafield. He had great success in that fight. Kind of what saved him in that fight. Uh, um, he'll just grind against the fest, chest to chest. Very physically strong guy. He is a good wrestler. He likes like a reactionary double, kind of force you to kind of chase him, and then he drops down underneath you and, and drives through. Turns the corner well um, when he's in on your hips. Solid top control, though he was quickly submitted in his last fight, and and uh, he has a bad gas tank. We've seen him gas out many times. I know. I know they say that like a myth of him gassing out that he's kind of fixed it. I, I don't believe that yet, but I know that's like what some people say. As far as prediction goes, this is another really tough fight to call. If it goes to the third round, we, it could be really, really ugly. It, we could have two options. We could see like guys completely gassed out, throwing arm punches, or we could see guys just hugging each other against the cage, like holding each other up as they both have a heart attack. Uh, I'm going to go with Kuchalaba, though, simply because he hits harder, and Clark is very hittable, and Clark has a questionable chin. So I kind of feel like he could win this grueling fight. I, I do favor Clark to win a grueling fight, but I think like Kutalaba could win that. But if it's a wild brawl, which that could happen, I trust Kutalaba to land it more. And you know what? I've been picking a lot of decisions, so let's have some fun. Let's go Kutalaba finds it. Let's get he gets a first round knockout. Beautiful. Um. <clears throat> yeah. The- the I, I have the same concerns you do. Like I think this fight is very closely matched. Like you said, it's good matchmaking. Both of these guys are dangerous fighters, but they're they're really flawed fighters. Like both of these guys have some serious holes that have kind of defined their ceiling against the top top of the division. You know, like we, we've seen the, like just the levels to this kind of thing that happened when Anthony Smith took on Devin Clark and. They, I mean, I don't think Clark was favored, but it was really close on the odds, and Smith just made Clark look like like an amateur. Uh, <clears throat> so when I, because I'm with you, like I I have Kudalaba by first round knockout in this one as well. It's not that I think Kudalaba is ten times better than Clark. It's just there are a lot of possible outcomes here, and that's the one I think is most likely. The problem for me is that Clark is so susceptible to his opponent's offense. Like he's only lost to good guys in the UFC. Uh, you know. I'm not saying Alex Nicholson is a, is a good guy in general. He, clearly, no, he's not. But uh, in that and the Alexander Rakic fight, Clark was doing fine and just got too aggressive, got his chin out over his feet, and it got lamped, especially in the Nicholson fight. Like, he, you know, the first round knockout for Nicholson, but Clark was probably winning that round and got himself knocked out with like five seconds left just by running right face first into a punch. Uh, Rakic, it was more of a close affair. But he was at least going to make it to the end of the round. The thing was going to go on. He got a little loosey-goosey, and and Rackage just just uh, punched him right in the face. If there's one thing that Kudalaba can do, it's punch you right in the face in a wild first round. So I'm going to pick the thing that I've seen before. I'm absolutely with you. Give me Ian uh, Kudalaba by first round uh, knockout. And if it's not a first round knockout, God help us all. With that, we come to the... Headliner, the main event of UFC Vegas 37, a light heavyweight matchup between Anthony Smith and Ryan Spann. Smith, the 33-year-old Nebraskan fighting out of Colorado, is 35-16 and 16 over his extremely well-traveled career. He is 10-6 and 6 across two separate stints with the UFC, uh, but most relevantly, he is 6-3 and three since uh, dropping or moving up to uh, light heavyweight. Back in 2018, uh, he's on a two-fight winning streak. Uh, he defeated Devin Clark last November uh, by first-round submission, then got a TKO over Jimmy Crute just this past April at UFC 261. That ended when uh, Crute's leg w- was injured uh, 
you know, somewhere late in the round and the doctor ruled him unable to continue between rounds. Upsetting, but, you know, however he got there, Smith is on a two-fight winning streak, uh, you know, bouncing back from a stint where he had lost three out of four against John Jones, Glover Teixeira, and Alexander Rakic. Uh, he'll be facing Span, 30-year-old Texan, uh, is 19-6 and six overall. He is 5-1 and one in the UFC. Uh, he defeated Misha Serkinov back in March at UFC Fight Night uh, Edwards versus Muhammad by first-round TKO. That allowed him to bounce back from his first UFC loss, which was a first-round knockout at the hands of Johnny Walker last September. Uh, Smith is a, a slight to moderate favorite here. He's minus 160, minus 165 or so. You can get Span at plus 140. Uh, I'm going to ask you for your prediction on this one, obviously, uh, Keith, but... A lot of things in the light heavyweight division are sort of going to sort themselves out here within, you know, the next couple months. On October 30th, Jan Blahovich will have his second title defense against the immortal, unaging Glover Teixeira. But uh, as far as his next challenger goes, or the next challenger for whoever the, the, the champ is, Tiago Santos and uh, Johnny Walker are fighting two weeks from this Saturday. That's a high-profile fight. Uh, Yuri Prohaska is probably next up. Alexander Rakic, who's beaten Smith and Santos, you know, is probably, like, way up there in line. But unless... Well, let, let me put it this way. If Span wins, he's sneaky close to a title shot. He might only have to win one or two more, even though he's fairly new in the UFC. For for Smith, it's tougher. Like, if, if Teixeira ends up champ, like... Again, you know, your mom or my mom is is ahead of him in the, you know, the line to get another shot at Teixeira. Just nobody's going to want to see it again. But, yeah, the more I thought about this fight, the more this is actually a, a fairly it's a fairly uh, relevant fight for the division. You know, and I, I think Span has a little more to gain here and, and Smith probably has a little more to lose. Like, tell me what you think about that. Tell me if you think. Ryan Spann ever makes it to a UFC light heavyweight title shot and tell me who you think wins this fight. Yeah. Well, I got to address something right off the bat. So speaking of moms, let's, I just wanted to say, Raquel Pennant is stop ducking my mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's for the prelim show. It was Raquel Pennant, right? I don't know. It was, a, I think it was Raquel Pennant. Anyways, back, yeah. back to, yeah. Uh, back, that was for anybody who listens to the prelims. Um, <laughs> side note, uh, Glover Teixeira challenging for the title against John Blahovich. That's a very intriguing matchup. And I don't root for fights, uh, uh, fighters. I root for my, who I pick, my prediction. I, want to be, I root for myself, I guess. Uh, but, man, wouldn't it be just – I mean, I know John Blahovich is a nice dude and great dude and all that, but wouldn't it be such a nice story if Glover Teixeira could win the title? Just, just uh, come on. A anyway. Yes. It would, to, no, it, it would be a great story, and yeah. hey, it'd be it. Hey, it'd be a New England guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're adapted. We'll take it. Hey, we'll take it. We can get. Um, as, as, so as far as this matchup, uh, to me, it's a weird matchup. It it has a more of a like uh, co-main event feel, and if this was a pay per view, like this would be like I, I expect this. Be, I think I expect this to be buried on like the prelims. Like if even though. If if give me a give me a fight that could headline a, a fight night, like, you have no issues. So, give me like, uh, like what's next? What's next? John, well, Johnny Walker versus Tiago Santos in two weeks. Okay. That one is okay. headlining a fight night. Yeah. Okay. Johnny or no, that's that's not even headline. Yeah. Okay, it is. Yeah, that one's headlining yeah. in two weeks. So Tiago Santos and Johnny Walker. If that fight was on this card, would you be shocked if Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann was on the prelims? I'm not saying it deserves to be on the prelims. I'm not saying that at all. Like I think it deserves to high up the card, but would it yeah. would it sh shock you if it was? It, well, the only reason it would is because of the magic of Anthony Smith, because this is like his okay, eighth fair. headliner in his last nine fights. But otherwise, just talking okay. about the levels of the fighters, yeah. Like this, it just it's weird how like uh, Ryan Spann was like prelim guy to suddenly, and, and I, I'm sure by his last fight, but I mean, I just mean, I just it just it just I didn't expect him to be in the main event after his last fight. That said, uh, Smith. I say this every time we talk about Smith. I was saying again, he he's not a great athlete. I think he would say that he's, but he's very well rounded. He's technically sound uh, on the feet. He has high output. 
Uh, I'd say his hand speed has declined a little bit, but I'd actually say for the division, he's actually one of the faster punchers. Um, he attacks with combinations, good variety of his attacks, mixes and punches and kicks together in combinations. More doesn't have big power. I mean, it still is middleweight to move up to light heavyweight. Uh, he's not a big one-punch knockout guy. He's more of a compiler. I would even say he has plus power. I'd say he has, like, negative power for the division. Um, but uh, he's smart. He throws a lot of kicks, a lot of teep kicks. But the, the biggest concern I have for Smith is how much damage, and I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, how much damage he's taken, especially when I mean, you talk about the Glover to share fight. That was a historic beating. The uh, Rockish fight, that was another one that was way the up Jones there. The fight. John Jones, yeah. It was, it's funny, of those three fights, and obviously John Jones was the one-sided, that's probably the least one-sided of those three of those three fights that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, I'm just worried the years, I mean, this guy has so many regional fights, so many fights in the UFC, so many five-round wars, and, and, and just meetings that just suddenly it's going to fall apart. Like suddenly his chin's going to be gone. Um, and he also like makes the mistakes to put him in the position where they have, like he'll, he'll fight against the cage, like backed against the cage and just getting teed off on. Uh, as far as a grappler though, he's a, a sneak. I say a sneaky grappler. Like I think he's underrated on, and on his wrestling. Like he, he's, he's never going to, he's never going to be a huge threat in the fact that, um, like you never think of Anthony Smith as a great grappler, but he's effective. It's been, we were showing his last fight against uh, Devin Clark getting submissions, uh, but now move over to Riot's man. <laughs> I, I'm still gonna go back to the the Johnny Walker fight that I believe that there were one of the worst cases of punches to the back of the head, which uh, uh, Safe Saeed is probably that's the maddest I've ever seen. Safe, thank you for putting that out there. That yeah. is the maddest I've ever seen. Safe Saeed. Yeah, um, but as far as he, he's he's a long and lengthy guy, uh, can be a low output. That's one of my worries. But he can crack, man. He's got good good power. I mean, look look at him. He's a true light heavyweight. I mean, he looks like a heavyweight. Um, big power left hook is his best strike. Uh, but his ground game is really underrated. Like he looks, to, he adds takedowns more and more into his game. It's actually became probably the strength of his game. Uh, will sneak in a takedown, gets on top. And he just goes to town with some scary ground and pound, um, and then he's got eleven submission wins. So I shouldn't say it's it's underrated. I, I should I just because we've seen him knock guys out that we think about as this big cracker, but he's more of a submission threat. Uh, and guillotine kind of goes to his kind of his go to move. Uh, go back to the same Alvy fight. He was he had a standing guillotine. So as far as prediction goes, um, you know. I had a really hard time picking this fight because I I feel like both fighters are pretty well-rounded. I feel like um, Smith has more polish, but I feel like Span might have the intangibles where I'm going to guess that he, like Smith's more technical, but he's the harder hitter. I'm actually going to think he might actually be the better wrestler and he might even be the bigger submission. Threat. Though I don't think he submits Anthony Anthony Smith. Um, I'd be surprised if he submits him. But it just comes down to the amount of damage Anthony Smith has taken. I just I, I know I've seen it countless times. It's going to happen. Like when I think about like Shogun, when suddenly he couldn't take a shot. I can see this fight being one of these fights where he gets put out or just one of those ones the damage he's taking is going to slow him down. And this could look a lot like uh, the Rockish fight or one of these fights where he just, it, it's painful to watch him get beat up, especially if he gets stuck on the bottom. Ryan Spann can posture up and, and land some power strikes from on top. Uh, I think this might be one of these, one of the sad ones to watch. And I'm going to say it's a pass into the torch. I think it's going to be Ryan Spann's um, breakthrough performance. Give me Ryan Spann by third. Uh, sorry, by decision, and uh, actually, I think it's not going to be as close as, as as we think. I think give me Ryan Spann, uh, pretty comfortable decision. Hey, uh, that's going to make it two of us calling for the slight upset in the main event here. Me for the same reasons as you, and I agree. Like Spann's uh, ground game is, you know. Not, not underrated, but just not talked about as much yes. because he hasn't Fair. had the chance to flash it at the UFC level. As, as much as he did, uh, like, you know, back in the LFA days. But, yeah, very, very good grappler. And you're, you're 
but having said that, like you, I don't think he's going to submit Anthony Smith unless yeah. it's like a mercy tap type thing where he just he gets the neck and finishes it because it's been such a beating on the ground. Sure. Uh, but I have the same concern as you with how much tread has been taken off the tires in uh, the last couple of years for Smith. And it, that's a question that hasn't really been answered by the wins over Clark and Crute. I mean, the, the Clark fight took place almost entirely on the ground. We didn't really see much of what it looked like for him to exchange on the feet. Uh, and the crew fight was over and around. And again, you know, it was over. Like, I think it was justifiable. I don't think there was anything like particularly flukish or unfair about it. Like, you hurt your leg fighting Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith beat you. Uh, but in either case, we just don't know what he looks like deeper into a fight. We don't know how he's going to respond to getting cracked hard. And unless something goes really wrong, Span's probably going to crack him hard a couple times. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. This, uh, this if, if Spam wins, this will be easily the biggest win of his career. And Smith is the kind of name that you can build your resume on as a title contender. You know, it, it, it will move him into that conversation, even if there are several guys ahead of him in line, as, as I kind of laid out uh, at the top of this segment. But yeah, I, I think Span's going to hurt Smith on the feet. While Smith's wrestling is definitely underrated, I don't think it's going to be a safety valve for him here. Like, I think he's going to get stuck taking damage on the feet. Uh, if it ends up in a clinch, if it ends up against the fence, the clinch is normally a good place for Anthony Smith. Like, he does a lot of damage with elbows and knees there. It's like a lot of the, like a couple of the wins that he used to kind of propel himself into the title picture, like, you know, the, the Evans and Shogun fights, you know, like, that was where he really did a lot of his damage, but I don't think it's going to be a safe place for him against Span. To Span's going to be bigger, physically stronger, good himself in the clinch. Yeah, th this is going to be a rough night for Anthony Smith. And yeah, like one of the true kind of Cinderella stories of the last couple of years in the UFC, I, I think will kind of come to an end. I don't think Smith's going anywhere, but this might be the last time we talk about him in the context of the upper reaches of, of, of the rankings. Uh, and I'm thinking Span might even get a finish here. Just, you know, accumulated punishment. Give me Span by third round. I'm going to say TKO. Uh, you know, TKO because of probably ground strikes. But if it turns into like a mercy tap submission, that wouldn't surprise me either. But Ryan Span by third round finish. And... That will do it for the main card of UFC Fight Night 192, Smith versus Span. Uh, again, uh, thank you for listening. If you listen to the prelims as well, you know, uh, thank you for listening to that. To that, this goes down this Saturday. Uh, check us out on the recap show. Uh, usually, you know, between 15, 20 minutes after the main event, we are live. You can find a link on the SureDog front page, or just go straight to the SureDog YouTube page. Uh, Keith and I will be breaking it all down. Keith takes the captain's chair for that one, but the the live chat is open, so we're taking your questions, we're taking your hot takes, your one-liners, whatever you've got to get off your chest after this 15-fight card. Uh, please do come hang out with us. Uh, for the SureDog Radio Network, uh, I've been Ben Duffy. He has been Keith Schillen. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.